Hey there, you're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. I am Niagara Moon. Um, I hope you can't hear the sound of the saws in the background too much. I think they're cutting down a bunch of trees or something over there. But uh, thank you for tuning in. So happy to have you back here. Or if this is your first time, um, normally I would be talking about different albums with uh, my cohort, Dan Barracuda. It is just me here for the final episode of 2020, end of the year, uh, not quite retrospective, <laughs> um, but uh, something different from the norm. I really, really enjoyed making this episode. I was super glad it, it got to happen. Um, I basically just get to chat with a Niagara Moon fan, somebody who uh, reached out, who enjoys my music, and uh, just this guy's awesome. His name's Joe. We connected recently, and we just kind of shot the breeze for a while. It was a lot of fun, and uh, maybe you'll, if you're a Niagara Moon fan, maybe you'll get a, a kick out of, uh, of checking it out as well, see what your peers are up to. That's kind of all I have to say about it. Uh, next week, we're going to kick off 2021 with uh, talking about Songs from the Big Chair by Tears for Fears. We're finally doing Tears for Fears. But for now, you can hear Joe and I just talk about different stuff we like and uh, bond over some music. He's got awesome tastes. He's got a uh, formidable record collection. That's cool. So happy holidays all around. I hope you guys are hanging in there. hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. And, uh, you know, whatever else happens, I think, we're, <laughs> I think it's safe to say we're at least way past the halfway point here. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Uh, even though we were all hoping this uh, wouldn't drag on into the holidays. I think we're making the best of it. All right, enjoy the combo. All right, it's the end of the year, and uh, we got a pretty special Niagara Moon podcast episode for today. Uh, this is only the second time I've done this, but I'm very excited to revisit this. Um, I have a Niagara Moon fan on with me today. Hey there. Thank you for having me on the uh, podcast. Of course. Uh, so do you go by uh, Joe or Joseph? Uh, you can call me Joe. Uh, pronouns he, him, his. I was talking about that to someone earlier, that like it weirds me out when I get the full Joseph, because I don't think anyone calls me Joseph. Mm. <laughs> but uh, uh, whenever I like write my name on anything, it just autofills to my full first name. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, the uh, drawing the whole name out, I feel like a lot of people only hear that when they're in trouble. Yeah. Like, William or <laughs> Joseph, if you, yeah, you kind of associate it with, oh, what did I do? And ironically, now that I'm a teacher, I found myself doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're, uh, you're a teacher? You teach art? Yeah, so at the moment, uh, I teach high school art. So at the moment, my classes are digital photography, a class called Creative Concepts, which is like intro to art, which is usually how I pitch it, um, and also drawing one. I, uh, I switch around a bit. I used to teach drawing two and computer art, um, but we switch around sometimes. So I'm new to Creative Concepts, but uh, the other ones I'm quote-unquote seasoned with. I've had one full, you know, because of everything going on right now, I've had one full yeah. normal semester, and the others have all been distance, so... Yep. Um, what is it? What is it like teaching art, you know, through a computer versus in person? How do you find things change, or are there any like kind of almost hidden benefits to people doing their thing at home? 
So I'll say the biggest hidden benefit is actually probably for digital photography. Um, the other ones all have some benefits, but mostly like there's it's equal benefits and drawbacks. But digital photography, I actually told my students this uh, when when I had them like their first distance class. I'm like, you're probably actually going to get more studio time than my other in, like digital photography classes ever got because when we're in person, the full time. Uh, they can come yeah. in with their photos and they could edit their photos. I show them around Photoshop and I tell them about good composition. They can give them tips as far as talking about what photos to take. But now when we're in our Google Meets, we have a little bit of a critique time in the beginning. We look at photos they took. We see what works compositionally and what they would add. And it's a nice little time. And then I'm like, okay, so for now for 40 minutes, you can go ahead and take your photos. And on one hand, they're like limited to around the house because they have like a, a class next period. But yeah, um, yeah. but on the other hand, if they were in person, they would then just kind of if they don't have photos that time. And I always tell them like, if you don't have photos, that's understandable. You know, I, maybe something didn't work out the day before. You're just kind of going to have to keep planning. Whereas now they could be like, okay, so let me get something set up around the house so I could at least get a photo yeah. or two in. So and that's just a positive. Completely dive into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're teaching teenagers, which must be a much more st- streamlined process than. Uh, so my partner Huimin is is teaching, uh, you know, elementary schoolers that are just starting to learn, you know, how to type and open emails and everything. So, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, it's been a range of experiences, that's for sure. Yeah, it's so funny because one of my best friends uh, actually teaches at the high school that we went to school in. Now. Uh, he's a history teacher, and his wife is an elementary. He she works with uh, elementary students, and um, they're both amazed at how the other does their job. <laughs> like, um, and and I completely agree. Like, I don't know how uh, like elementary teachers fully do it. Like, technically, <laughs> for like my licensure, uh, I know licensures work different with different subjects, but through visual arts, I'm actually licensed to keep to teach pre K to high school. Um, wow! So it, it ranges. Wide range. Yeah, exactly. It ranges the entire the entire gambit. And I was lucky enough. The only thing I didn't fully touch on was middle school, but I had student teaching in elementary, um, where I taught kindergarten to fifth. I did a little bit of sixth, and then I did high school. But man, elementary is such a different ball game. But I so admire all the elementary teachers who are out there doing it. Um, but I definitely felt more comfortable. Like you said, it's a little more streamlined. I give them a little bit more autonomy in high school. Um, But yeah. So how did you discover this to be your your calling, uh, teaching? So it's interesting. Actually, my first love was art itself. So um, I actually have a degree in illustration, uh, first and foremost. So mm -hmm. I went up to school in Rochester, New York. Uh, four years for an illustration degree, and I worked for a little while as like a freelance illustrator doing some magazine stuff. So when we were up there, eventually you got a concentration. It's not like officially declared, but it's like, oh, well, what part of illustration do you want to go into? Because actually mm. in high school, I that was pretty much me. They were like, well, what do you want to do like out of school? I'm like, I want to do art. And they're like, well, you need a little bit more focus than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it narrows down from there. Exactly. Um, but I did magazine work. So I did a few, I did one in Georgia. My first one ever was in Aberdeen, which I always brag about. I always joke that I had to go out of the country to get a job in illustration. Where's Aberdeen? Uh, I always get it mixed up. I believe it's Ireland. 
I, I believe it's over over there. I forget. I always forget okay. whether it's Ireland or Scotland, and I always feel bad about it. <laughs> That's a wait. That sounds like Scotland to me. I was going to say. I think it. I think it might be Scotland. It was a great experience. Um, I have a trip actually about my first job there, which was I got my first job illustrating an article, which was happening as my brother was getting married. So I was like, oh. I was a best, I wasn't, I wasn't the best man, but I was a groomsman. But here I was like at the wedding. And then I was like, I got to get back to the hotel room. Cause I got to work on these proofs for, for my job because of the yeah, time difference yeah. too. So it was like, all right, so I got to oh, get to yeah. you, got to get these to you at this weird hour where I would normally be like, you know, hanging out and not fully partying. Cause that's not my gig, but you know, like enjoying the time. After like, hours. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I had that. So that was actually for a science magazine, which was kind of fun. Um, and then I, I kind of kept going with my freelance life. And I realized after different friends had kind of come to me and been like, hey, can you teach me how to like do watercolors? Or like, can yeah. you teach me how to do like X, Y, Z? And then I realized I really liked that. I tried to do a few lessons on my own, just like on the side, also basically freelance. And I kind of realized that the part of me just spreading my love of art and kind of teaching that whole thing was something that I was really drawn to. And I thought, oh, well, what, I wonder what I would have to do for teaching. And, um, I landed up where I am right now. I've been in Ohio a lot actually, but I went to OSU for my, uh, licensure. Oh. And since I have a BFA, I actually only needed two more years of schooling. So, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yep. So I went into that, um, experienced thankfully with another five or six people in my cohort the uh, experience of being the oldest then because everyone else was their first mm. round of uh, college yep. um so we were the we were the students who like had studying routines down and they were like how do you do this <laughs> and we're like because we're like four or five years older than you <laughs> yeah yeah you tend to be a little more focused the second time around mm-hmm uh, but yeah, I mean, I got through it through that. And then, I mean, it's, it's funny until I put a, a name to it and like a focus on it, I didn't realize, but I say now it's, uh, it's the dream job, you know? Um, and I'm so lucky to have gotten it regardless of the circumstances in which I got it time yeah, period yeah. wise, but got my ideal age range, got pretty much my ideal classes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed art class at school. <laughs> Because the the expectations or whatever, it it all felt totally different than than any other subject. Mm. And there was just within, and it was interesting within one specific assignment, like the amount of creativity. It still felt like you had to to work within those limitations. I don't know, just even like it sculpt something out of clay, and it has to be like this. But like just even the the amount of imagination you can you can fit within that. I always found really fun. You know, a nice break up from from numbers or you know, syntax. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's, it's always a bummer when art gets uh, slashed from, from school budgets. I think it's super, super important to keep something like that in the curriculum at every, at every age. Tell me about it. Yeah. So definitely get more priority. It helps students a lot more than I think some people like fully understand. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Especially when they get to like admin levels and anything like that, where you have a little bit more separation, but I mean, some of the, it's funny because, you know, you get feedback from the admin and from the assistant principals and such, but my, my favorite feedback has always been from students where they're like, 
man, one of the most impactful comments that I heard from a student was like, this is the one period a day where I feel like I can breathe. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, truly, I appreciate it. I'm glad I could provide you with that space. Yeah. And it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's more fun than just downtime because there is still like a task to, uh, to engage with your, your brain and your, your mind and your imagination. But it's like, yeah, there's still that, that flexibility in that room too. It's just in the sweet spot of like, ah, it's, yeah, it can be really a, an oasis in the curriculum. And you might discover, you know, a certain skill or, or a craft that you never knew you would have a passion for otherwise. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And working with Photoshop, I wish I learned that more. <laughs> I, I have no Photoshop skills. I wish I'd picked that up in high school. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. You know what? That's ironic. So uh, that's actually the class that uh, we teach Photoshop in. It's um, Computer Art 1 is Photoshop. Computer Art 2, uh, which I've not taught myself, is uh, Adobe Illustrator. And that was by far the class that suffered the most from being distanced because at the uh, time, eventually, they uh, during the first wave of uh, like the first semester, I guess I should say, uh, of us being distanced, Adobe was very nice to be like, uh, well, if you have a school email, you have free Photoshop. Um, but then when the second year came around, they're like, We're, we can only be so generous. Um, mm. But the catch twenty two of the of giving them giving us all free Photoshop was the fact that some students just didn't have the resources. So like they mm. had their Chromebook, which our school district gives out Chromebooks to everyone. But oh, I'm familiar with Chromebooks mm-hmm. at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. They're they're lovely machines, but they yeah. they don't run Photoshop. Budget friendly. Exactly. Nope. Yeah. So it's been that's the other thing that's been a huge. Uh, issue just different levels of like what students have access to and what we're mm-hmm. like kind of assuming that they have access to in a very wrong way and then trying to figure out ways yeah. to make things more equitable to all of them but mm. yeah it's constantly a learning process mm-hmm. from what i've seen um well i'll tell you what every person who is into art that i've ever met be it a teacher um hobbyist or uh you're all big music fans as well. Mm-hmm. That's what I've observed. Um, I'm guessing you're no exception. Correct. I am not an exception to that at all. I even have uh, a big vinyl collection that I've been working on since I was in middle high school. So nice. uh, I'm into that as well. Um, but no, yeah, I've been, you know, it's funny because earlier in my life, I wasn't super into music. Like I kind of let it exist in the background. Um, but then eventually as I got into my own, my first, uh, the first musician that I actually really got into was Elton John. Interesting. Um, Right. Um, and then it just kind of became whatever my siblings were into that I started branching into. But the three, I would say the three artists that really boosted me into like collecting CDs, collecting vinyls were Pink Floyd, The Who and David Bowie. Classics so all around. Those yeah. are my those are my big trinity. Wow! So yeah, vinyl is uh, it's a serious undertaking. I I was scared of vinyl as a kid because I was worried. I knew that it was very like delicate. I was worried I'd screw it up somehow between like taking it out of the sleeve and putting it on the player. Like it's just I just I stuck to to my Walkman at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how how much vinyl would you say you have at this point? Over a hundred. Oh um, man, I've got a lot. I, 
Wow. Uh, is, is it all those kind of like classic artists from the 70s or do you, do you keep up with the... Um, it's mostly that. Like, I mean, I work on, I think at the moment I have almost every Genesis album. I have a lot of the popular Floyd albums as well as some other ones. Like I've got uh, one of my prized albums uh, that I got from a record shop was a copy of Umaguma where Gigi is not mm. blotted out. It's the pre-airbrush. Um, so you say Gigi. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I can see the cover in my head, but I'm not familiar with who so, Gigi is. Um, in the original cover, it's the one where it's like, you know, the members, and then there's the little picture frame where it's the other version of the members. Um, and then in the front of them, there's a, a white album to, I, I think it's a musical, Gigi. Um, but they didn't get the copyrights, if I remember correctly. So in all future pressings, they had to uh, airbrush okay. it out. So it's just this weird white album cover. So I was able to find a copy of it without it airbrushed out. And that's one, oh, of, my, that's one of my prized vinyls. Yeah, so you're a serious collector. You, you spend a lot of time on eBay. Uh, I actually just go into little mom and pop vinyl shops. All right, I started, kudos to you. Thanks. That's the way to do it. I started on Amazon when I was younger because I didn't really know where to look, and then I would usually look at like used places and just trust them. But now I, I hate to say the word snobbish, but I definitely like look at the pressing dates and I look at when everything was, yeah. so I could try to get an original and take it out and look at the quality. I actually have no, a, that's the way to do it. Yeah. I actually have a funny story about trying to like being worried about the condition of them. So when I was uh, I studied abroad as well in Croatia, which was lovely. But um I'd love to visit Croatia. So good. Uh and we visited some of the areas around and I believe uh we were we went to Bosnia and there was like a big outdoor flea market and there was someone selling vinyls. So I haggled them down because when when in Rome um, yeah, and we were we were like encouraged to haggle. So I believe I got, uh, and these are all like European pressings, which are kind of fun. If I remember right, I got Thriller, Beat It, Bridge Over Troubled Water, um, and Metal by Pink Floyd, um, and I think a Bowie album, but I forget what Bowie album. Maybe Aladdin Sane, but uh, but I was over there and I was holding onto these vinyls, but little did I realize we had like a big trip ahead of us still like on that day out. So like I couldn't put them down and you know, when you get a few vinyls, they get heavy. Yeah. Um, you get a stack going. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they were like, you could leave them on the bus if you want. I'm like, well, first of all, it's really hot out. So they'll probably warp if I leave them on the bus. Second of all, I don't know if they're going to be there if I leave them on the bus. So we oh, go man. on this big hiking trip and I'm just lugging these vinyls around. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, I didn't, I, I didn't realize this was going to be a thing, but they're, oh, they're boy. good stuff. So, I mean, it was worth it, but it's definitely the most I've ever, <laughs> I've ever trekked a vinyl around. The hardest you've worked to to build your collection, mm -hmm. man. I I keep hearing uh, Genesis come up. I feel like a lot of my fans are really big into Genesis, and I'm I'm late to the party. But what what album should I start with if I'm trying to to oh. get into them? Um, you know, it's really interesting. I was talking to a friend about Genesis recently, where she didn't realize that Phil Collins was even in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And Peter Gabriel. And Peter Gabriel. Super group there. So, um, oh goodness. Selling in if you if you want a little bit more of a psychedelic, Selling England by the Pound is an early Genesis album, but with Gabriel still as the front uh, the front man, right. which is really good. Um, if you're into more of a full, well, depending on this, 
was Gabriel's last album, which was The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, is more uh, storytelling. Like, the full thing is a story where if you get the vinyl, there's a whole, like, wow. short story written inside about it. Yeah, yeah, um, liner notes. Exactly. Um, so I would say those might be good starting points for you. All right, Selling England by the Pound. Selling England yeah, by the Pound. Yeah, I'll put that on good. my queue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. My I actually named my dog after a Genesis album. His name is Duke, named after the an album of oh. the same name. So, Duke. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, that's a great name for a dog. Especially if a, is it like a bulldog or some kind of uh, like statter. <laughs> so uh, I have a history of naming my dogs large names, even though they're small dogs. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's a little schnoodle, a schnauzer poodle mix. And my previous Aww. schnoodle uh, also it was like a little black schnoodle, a little teddy bear, and I named him Goliath. So <laughs> so I've got I a big it. history of that. Wow. Uh, so 100 vinyl. I don't even know where I'd put that in, in my place right now, but that'd be, that'd be a pretty fun collection. Yeah. Um, how do you... Uh, would it be fair to say you tend to favor older music in general? You know, just hearing your kind of origins and then the, the nature of your collection? Or So it's funny because uh, I would say definitely yes. And what's actually getting me out of my shell is my students. So mm. um, so I would say people people always used to bring up like, oh, well, like, well, excuse me. I would bring up like I haven't heard of this artist or this song or whatever before, and they're like, "How have you never heard this?" I'm like, "There's yeah, so I've much. Heard that. There's so much old music to explore." Like, yes, there is. And I just look through all of the tangents that my bands from the '70s, you know, '60s, '70s, '80s get me into. I'm like, "There's just so much that I'm catching up on and finding there." But mm-hmm. when uh, when I started teaching, one of the things that I I love music, so. I like having music on in the background, and I figured this could be a fun way to build rapport with students. So we actually started making playlists for each class. So awesome. um, early on, I would have they have their little cubbies to put their art supplies away, and on the door, I would post a playlist with a little pen, and they could write down names of artists and musicians. And I'm like, as long as it's school appropriate, I could put it on my playlist. So we would curate songs of 150 to 200 songs over time between me and them. And Fun. every now and again, you know, they would introduce me into bands that I would get more into and I would have never heard of if it wasn't for them. So they're slowly dragging me into into modern music. <laughs> slowly but surely. Yeah. It's it's funny because I totally get what you're saying about, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s and all the tangents that can stem from that. Um, I feel like 70s is the sweet spot. There's There's so much musically from that era that I really love, but... It's kind of like when I do get into current music, you know, how much of it is really just artists that are super inspired by that same era and just put a little twist on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that still ends up being most of, of what I listen to in this day and age. No, I feel uh, yeah. if you're if uh, the students, uh, if the music your students introduces kind of a, the same vibe, or if they're really getting you more into the the current trends. It's funny because uh, I bring that up to them too sometimes. Um, I don't know if they're super, uh, what's the word, uh, modern or not. But I know one of my students, for instance, was giving me artists like Tally Hall, Lemon Demon, and oh, yeah. um, Jack Stober. And I'm like, I really think you'd like the Talking Heads. 
and and she yeah. was like oh i never heard of the talking heads so I, I i gave her a couple songs to listen to and she's like i love the talking heads yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah i remember discovering uh speaking in tongues in uh, in middle school that was a big one mm-hmm. i was like wow music can be this fun especially like the stop making sense live footage too like mm-hmm. i was i was really i geeked out on that for sure yeah man and it's funny too because a lot of and i guess it's because of their parents but a lot of students also just dig on 70s 80s music like one of my uh one of my classes like the whole playlist was things like um bowie the cure um and uh, depeche mode like all those kinds of era duran duran they were more into 80s i guess now that i reflect on it (laughs) but still um it's interesting how much students still know a bunch of like older bands so Mm -hmm. yeah well guardians of the galaxy i'm sure introduced them to, to some of it that's true yeah, and then you um, somehow discovered my music, Niagara Moon. How did uh, where'd you find me? So actually, and we we had a sort of a, a talk about it through proxy. I actually found your music through Basic Printer. So, Basic Printer, another uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. Oh, for sure. Um, how I found Basic Printer, I forget off the top of my head, but. I got really into Basic Printer for a while, and he had a playlist, uh, Glitch Pop. And oh, uh, Glitch Pop, Glitch Pop. Maybe? Yes. <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, and I found Pantheon Bar on that, which ah. to this day is my favorite Niagara Moon uh, song. Oh, um, thank you, thank you. It's, uh, I don't know, I've probably had a time when I listened to it like two or three times in a row and just like lived in that song for a minute oh um and then i went from pantheon bar and i was like i gotta find more about this artist and i looked at the whole album i love the whole album i saw um how much was going like all your different uh albums and uh the ep and it was it felt really odd because i was messaging a few friends and i'm like check out this musician right now and they're like (laughs) (laughs) and they're like Oh man, they need more attention, and I'm like I know. And then like they have a Patreon. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> look at the Patreon. And they're like, oh man, next paycheck, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and back them. And then the next morning, I messaged them, and I'm like, I went ahead and did it. Now I don't care. Oh, <laughs> um, so sweet. No, uh, yeah, I. So yeah, through Basic Printer, I found you, and then I just kind of loved all of the music that you've done, <laughs> just the general feeling uh-huh. of it. Um, I swear to this day. Um, at some point I'm going to do some kind of an illustration for Pantheon Bar because it sets up such a nice such a nice kind of a story one of the things that I'm a sucker for in music is like a nice intro song Mm. Um, and I think Pantheon Bar is a great intro song to Eating Peaches Um, thanks man so yeah Uh, yeah but uh, just by some sheer coincidence or something it was the first song i ever produced as niagara moon oh really even before i had the name niagara moon it was like the first thing i did with the intention of it being like a solo thing you know because i i had a band at the time but this was like separate from that this is my just my first foray into uh whatever the heck it is i do now <laughs> so it's uh I don't know. I guess that's like as organic as you can get, just like 
finding out what you're doing as you're doing it. So that that's awesome to hear it uh, it worked out well that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah, it's that song is uh, that that does seem to be a, a favorite with a lot of people, and it's like I said, it's the first one, so it's like super old at this point. But I've um, the album that I am about to finish that is you know a, a ways away from being released. It's uh, it's kind of hearkening back to that that energy and that vibe a lot more because I'm like I, I miss it. You know, I, I've I've gone on a lot of tangents since then, but. Um, <laughs> I do. I want to create more kind of just stories and worlds like that in the future. So it's cool to hear that it's uh, it's appreciated. Yeah. I. Um, what's funny is at the moment in school, I'm doing a Dungeons and Dragons art club. So we're making our own awesome. Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And I'm. Uh, so my world is kind of like a it's a water world because I, I being the teacher, I'm like, well, I'll be a dungeon master. So I'll, I'll you know take care of the logistics and a couple other students agreed to do it as yeah. well but um i already have this whole world set up and i'm definitely putting the pantheon bar <laughs> in my world oh, somewhere so sweet. i'll probably have that at some point posted but yeah yeah we're uh we started doing D D a few months back just to kind of you know we got invited by a friend just break up the uh the quarantine doldrums we do it every week. I'm I'm a bard, of course. Oh yeah. My my instrument is the bagpipes. Lovely. I'm a I'm a, a rock gnome. <laughs> in more ways than one. I actually uh, cause I I make even though my character will pretty much be an NPC, um, I still made myself just for like a little bit of a reference uh, for them to eventually follow. So I'm like, this is my character. This is how you can, how it can look. So I'm actually also a bard for the first time. I'm usually a Sweet. cleric. So I always like doing support roles like healing and such, mm -hmm. but I just yeah. thought it could be really fun to be a bard and basically just sing them their missions. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, perfect. Yeah. So since it's a water world, I am a oh man. Now that I, now that I'm talking about it, I can't, I forget the race's name, but it's just like a, a little fish person. So, yeah. uh, he's sitting there with his, uh, with his flute, just chilling. How great would the band name Bardic Inspiration be? Bardic Inspiration. That's a great that's <laughs> it a great doesn't name. already exist. First album called Natural Twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All right. I'm I'm there you go. planning my side project now. There you go. <laughs> oh man. Uh, a gorilla's like side project where you just have all these little avatars doing it instead. <laughs> Oh <laughs> man, yeah, the gears are spinning now. There's there's there something to work with there. <laughs> so in addition to listening to music, you play music as well, right? Or correct, a little um, bit of guitar. So I play guitar, bass guitar. I'm learning ukulele, um, and I have sort of started, but I haven't had a big chance to get really deep into it. The harmonica. Mm. Um, I've always wanted to learn harmonica. Ironically. Ever since I first heard Bob Dylan, I wanted to learn harmonica, um, and it's been a very long time. But I still, I still have. Uh, I, I finally got one about a year and change ago. Um, when I realized it was much harder than it looks. I have a theory that Bob Dylan's harmonica is the loudest sound in the universe. Right. <laughs> no matter what volume you listen to his, especially his early stuff. No matter what volume you're listening to, uh, to his song at it's it's gonna pierce your, your eardrums 
But uh, it's it's very called for every time it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an it's interesting element a, in his music. It's always just at the same level, even when you put all the other mm-hmm. levels down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. The other instrument that I always wanted to learn was piano. Um, oh, yeah. Again, because yeah. Elton was my first big musician, so I remember... Yeah, how come you didn't jump on the piano first? It was intimidating. Um, it was, really? It was, was it just the physical size of the thing? or uh, The physical size of the thing. Um, by the time I got like confident enough to pick up an instrument, um, the first one I was given was a guitar, which the guitarists in my life were people like Pete Townshend. Yep. Um, he was he was probably my biggest one. My biggest bass guitarist being um, Roger Waters, David Gilmore, of course, for guitarists mm-hmm. as well. Um, so... I mean, I don't know. I always said, like, all right, so I'm going to do piano lessons one day. Um, and I never really did. But one of these days I will. I know I, I have a keyboard. Um, I just, maybe it's just because the two hands really throw me off. Um, uh, and it's weird, huh. too, because then I do it with a guitar, of course. I make chords and I do strum patterns. But there's some disconnect. I guess I just leaned more towards the... the uh, like that side of the musical spectrum as I got older. So, yeah, I, I kind of almost feel the opposite about guitar being more imposing than, than piano for my hands. Like I just, I've never been able to tool around on guitar in a way where my hands felt like really comfortable or relaxed, like the amount of strings you got to think about and like a bass, I'm okay with bass, even though I, I wouldn't consider myself a great bass player either. But um, I just, it seems like uh, too much too much contortion involved. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this with my hands on the side. It's uh, it's like I, I feel like I could only ever approach something like piano, where you just get to rest your fingers right on the right on the keys. That seems so much easier to me. But then, yeah, a lot of people have the opposite experience. I feel you. Um, the left hand, right hand balance is uh, the way. The way I get around that is I only ever just play, <laughs> pretty much just play root notes on my left hand. Like my left hand does very little in general in music. I remember when I dabbled in it for a hot minute. I was thinking that I'll just do like basically call and responses with like the left hand doing one and then mm. flourishing with the right. And I'm like, yeah. well, I think I, I think I need to be a little bit more advanced to make that fully work. <laughs> but yeah. um, what's funny. I think I got through that stigma of like the hand motions on guitar because for whatever reason I was determined to make one of the first songs I learned on guitar. Um, Is there anybody out there by Pink Floyd? Which is anybody out there? Right. So it starts off with like very nice, but then it's that intricate like like finger work on the right hand side and yeah, that kind of baroque part. So that's the first thing I learned on guitar, like that I could play through and through. Um, and I think that just because it requires a lot of intricate, like picking on the right hand side while going through chords on the left, I'm like, well, I just kind of forced myself to learn it. Um, and actually early in my guitar playing, I was very much into that. I was more tabs and like, I mean, I guess a lot of, you know, people go through the, like, I want to learn to play the guitar solos. Um, yeah, yeah. And or the classic riffs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Power chords and guitar solos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see the pain in my guitar teacher's eyes, being like, "But you got to know the bass chords." <laughs> and I was like, "Teach me these power chords. Teach me this solo." 
And yeah. later Let's on, get in straight life, to the fun stuff, right? Exactly. Later on in life, then I was like, because now I'm much more a rhythm guitarist. Uh, whenever I play, and I'm like, man, I really wish I would have paid attention more. Mm. <laughs> oh man. But. Mm-hmm. Well, I started my musical education with just entirely classical music, which I only had a passing interest in. So I, <laughs> I had like at least three years. I mean, I was a kid too, but I just, I had a good three, four years of being very far away from the, the music that I actually uh, like to listen to recreationally. So it was kind of an interesting way to develop, you know, I was just a Beatles head through and through, but I never thought to like learn how to play their songs. Mm-hmm. until later on in life yeah i know i guess i never really thought of playing for a while either i know there was one moment when one of my friend's big brothers had a bass and he was like i just learned how to play the the bass part to time and i'm like what mm. <laughs> um yeah i would think you'd say money there no right no i think i can't I, even think of the bass part for time i know that was that's the thing too and that made me kind of focus on it um and i'm like oh interesting okay but and that's one of my favorite things to do now in music too just kind of like break down bit by bit and just zero in on all the parts as individual instruments um which is interesting too because i i do that with the vocals first like um Hmm. when i when i listen to a song the first time i almost never really focus on maybe this is bad but whatever the person is saying and i listen to how they're saying yeah no i i get that Uh mm-hmm and then, like, maybe I listen to that a few more times, and then I'm like, okay, well, let me see what these lyrics are. So I listen to, like, the voice modulations, the tone modulations, how yeah, yeah. how the phrasing is. Maybe it's also because I had a big kick of getting into German music and some Italian ah. music. So I'm like, this is like its period's form, because I don't know what they're saying. Eventually, I learned some German, but... Um, it, it's interesting to bring that into just music in general. Like I always love looking at the voice as an instrument and then being like, okay, so what's going on afterwards? So, huh? You're kind of you're really speaking my language there. Like I'll I'll pick up so many different qualities of the voice before I get to what are they literally saying? Because it's it's kind of hard for me to discern that sometimes. Um, you mentioned Italian music. Do you, by any chance, happen to know uh, Adriano Salentano? Yes. And a prison called the Nancy Nine Cues all. I, I love that so much. Um, I was introduced to it in an Italian class that I took in college. Uh, um, and actually while I was in Croatia. Um, because the, the teacher like talked about the first time they heard it. And she was like, this sounds just like how American music sounded to me. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, this is so wild. And I just, that. Please oh, and call an ain't nine twos off. All right. That's a great song. Anybody listening to this, go check out. I don't even know how you spell it. I was going to say good luck spelling it. Yeah. I'm sure. It's it's uh it's this awesome just bopping like song from the seventies early seventies in Italy, sung by I guess like a musician and comedian mm-hmm. sort of this this prominent actor guy Adriano Celentano, and it's the Italians' idea of what English sounds like in a rock song, so it sounds like English like synon- like uh, syllable by syllable until you realize it's just utter gibberish. But, you know, apparently at the time, people in Italy were, like, convinced it was, you know, actual English. And um, the music video is, is like, an English class. And 
Definitely. <laughs> well, you got to watch the music video. It's got some great dancing. It's, yeah, I was going to say, it's an English class that slowly turns into like a weird light version of like a 70s dance show. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Yeah, lots of mirrors. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, and I, I've told a few of my friends about that, too, just because... And every time I just... So, to anyone listening that wants to look it up, I just type a generalization of it into Google, and, and it'll usually <laughs> it'll usually understand, oh, they're looking for this song, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I've mentioned this a couple times, but I'm, I'm always uh, excited to, to re-announce it. The reason I call myself Niagara Moon, I'm uh, very inspired by a particular Japanese artist... Eiichiro Taki, um, Niagara Moon happens to be the name of one of his albums. Hmm. Uh, but uh, like I, I've had, I could point to certain songs I've made where I'm like, I'm just trying to, you know, mimic his style or whatever. But uh, I had a lot of music that I was very, very into and passionate about that wasn't in English, uh, music from Japan as, as I was learning Japanese as a teenager. So it's, uh, I feel like, an extended period of time digging into pop music that isn't going to be in your native language that really kind of shapes how you listen a bit too and like what your ear catches on to. I imagine maybe you ran into a similar kind of thing with uh, with German or Italian music. Yeah, and it's so interesting that Exactly. There, you run into different influences. You run into different, and ironically, a lot of the same influences too. Like I've seen a few videos of some German bands like singing what would be like like American or British standards because like, oh, they got influenced yeah. by that too and then they put it through their own filter. Um, yeah. And then just how many different... I mean, I don't know. It, it, I remember it being a really big revelation for me as a kid and teen that like Germany has punk and pop and rock too. Like these genres exist in their own microcosms yeah. other places. <laughs> Um, the the world of music is so much even just pop music it's so much bigger than what you might see on like the Rolling Stones top 100 like mm -hmm. there's worlds out there there's so much yeah each country has something new to offer mm -hmm. so interesting and it's all different like I know my gateway into German music was actually Rammstein German metal uh, um, I was gonna guess Can or uh, or Kraftwerk or something no Kraftwerk came later I I was big into Kraftwerk I I'm also, I don't know, I dabble in a lot of different genres. Like, I I know everyone says that now, but I dabble yeah. in a ton of different, uh, like, different mixes. So I do have a, a bit of a metal tone to me. A metal side. Um, so I, I got into them, but then later on I found another band called, uh, I believe it's pronounced Tonbangarat, and they're, like, more indie pop. And I'm like, this is an entirely new way to listen to German music. <laughs> and then Kraftwerk, and then, yeah, so. Hmm. Yeah, I, my, my ears are too delicate for metal. But uh, I know a lot of people can, like, start with metal and then go to very interesting and enticing places from there. So I, I kind of respect its place mm -hmm. in, uh, in people's listenership. So, quarantine... <laughs> Yep. Nine months in, uh, vaccine fortunately on the horizon. Mm. Uh, what do you th what do you think you're like really looking forward to once this is you know finally over? Uh, I've been like, kind of reflecting on the things I miss. I mean, 
being able to like have a small group of friends. I miss game nights. I miss board game nights. Game nights. Yeah. I, we got all these games and like all these expansions to the games and we got I caved, we caved in and got a Switch this year cuz you know why not we're stuck at home but it's you know all these games that you want to share with other people now. Mm-hmm. That's definitely been a thing. Yeah. I one of my good friends who used to host our board game nights moved uh, to a different state, so I'm like, I'll take on the mantle. I'll be the new board game night host. And then, yeah, COVID happened. <laughs> so I've got these board games just chilling. I miss board games. I miss concerts. Um, yeah. I was never like huge. Like I go to some concerts. I would say maybe like a couple a year. I know some of my friends go to like a couple a month. Um, but yeah. I I still miss the concerts that I do that I would have gone to. There's that. I kind of miss just milling around places like window shopping in vinyl stores and yeah and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. No, there's uh, it'll be nice for sure, and what it's a, it must be just around the bend. Yeah. What about um, what about yourself? Pretty pretty similar. Uh. I do miss getting to play games with friends, just, you know, small gatherings, of course. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, I was, personally, I haven't ever been huge into shopping, but I know Huey Means certainly misses just, you know, going to a, a fun store and really making that an experience, slowly browsing and feeling just comfortable and relaxed doing that. She really misses that experience. Um, it's funny also, because I'm definitely like you, where I would only see... A small handful of shows a year. Live music was never super my bag, but I do, at this point I do miss getting to. Uh, yeah, just the idea of like going to a musical show and sitting down, and you're with this whole mass of other people and taking in that experience in real time together. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy how kind of alien that idea seems right now. Right. But I look hopefully at like it'll be back before long. I look at like concert footage and I'm like, man, imagine. <laughs> Yeah, spread out, guys. <laughs> right? Man. Yeah. I was lucky enough to get in, like, two concerts, two pretty solid concerts, literally, like, a week and two weeks before, like, actual, you know, um, like, restrictions started getting put into place. Um, so I'm like, oh, man, I got it just in time. Uh, to the point, yeah. too, where people, like, were aware of COVID, but they were like, oh, man you know up you got a little cough and they we didn't realize how serious it was yeah um and then i know one of them got cut off and now is scheduled for i think july 2021 because they kept pushing it back Mm. i'm like you know that's cool but uh, so wild i also miss and uh hoyman could probably corroborate just being in the classroom (laughs) consistently oh oh yeah I mean, I think back. You to mean the, you're not supposed to teach eight-year-olds over a computer, right? I mean, oh man, like even when we, because we actually went back to hybrid for a minute, so we went so like half in person, half online, oh, yeah. and like yeah, a lot of bouncing around. Yeah. And even that, I was like, oh man, this is going to be rough because I have to now modify my lesson plans again. But like, but at least yeah, I'll be able yeah. to see the students, and like at least I'll have that connection. And it definitely did help some students like connect more, and I was able to help them better. But even then, it's like, but I got. You got to be on your guard all day, though, too. Yeah, and like would be exhausting. And you got to make sure all protocols are followed, and they're still like this far apart. And like part of the my love of 
art class during that first semester where we had our first normal semester and I guess the first half of the second semester was just like the community that everyone was able to build like where people were making new friends because they were able to see you know everyone else's artwork at their table um, and now everyone's just you know the X amount of feet apart and you know don't really want to interact because of you know scares of virus and everything I'm like I mean we're back but I really want to be back yeah, it's not a real back is kind of the impression I was getting. It's It's, it's got an asterisk. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say most people in whatever position they're in have been trying to do the best they can mm-hmm. all year. We've really, people have met a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's been eye-opening. Um, well, on a lighter note... <laughs> uh, it is. It is just around the corner. I. I was um, just before it hit. I was kind of toying with the idea of trying to get out and, and perform more uh, live again, even locally, because that was something I'd been neglecting. But next time around, I'll try to try to get Niagara Moon out there again. Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be interested, and in, that's another thing. So I know it started with. Um... I've made a small resolution in my mind that I want to try to actually go out of my own bubble to see concerts. Cause my MO used to be like, oh, man, am I really going to go to like another state to see a concert? <laughs> um, but now I guess because I, I've realized how lucky I am to be able to see concerts in general, I'm like, yeah. So I know I'm definitely planning on at some point seeing basic printer whenever they get back oh, to doing yeah. concerts. Um, and I know he's, I yeah, he'll, he's... he'll roll through Ohio sometimes. Oh, really? That's good to know. I, th- I think he did in a, in a past tour. Yeah. Cause he's, uh, he'll, he'll kind of go up the, the Midwest a little bit from Nashville. Yeah. Cause I know he's on this coast at least, but I was definitely, if I'll definitely come and see you live if you do, uh, shows. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it... mix. I haven't really ever done much in the way of true touring. I've always just kind of based myself in an area where I can, play out here and there occasionally but yeah maybe uh next year could be the year i'd love to to get out there a little bit more could be it's the motto of 21 2021 next year could be the year could be the year um i guess uh we're kind of getting to the end of our our podcast time this go around this has been super fun by the way i'm I'm super glad we were we were able to put this together thanks again for having Um, me i had a blast too Absolutely, man, and I could totally see uh, d- doing this again at some point. Oh, I'd love it's, that. Uh, it's it's uh, it's weird for me because I can do all these cool things with this, you know, new online technology to to find all these people to share my music with, and it's it's super rewarding and it's it's awesome, and I can like message with people and all that. But I still just through it being virtual, I don't have the experience of, of much true uh, interaction with fans at the same time. So I, I feel like it's a lucky chance for me when I, when I have that. Um, I've been, I don't want to give away too many details yet. They will certainly roll out in good time. But I've been, one of the questions I've been trying to uh, figure out is, because I'm, I'm on the inside, but how do other people like what what is Niagara Moon in their minds kind of like uh you know even if you're just talking musically speaking like when you're introducing me to your friends basically how do you uh how do you share that what do you say this this guy does so i forget 
I forget whether it was on your website or Spotify. I know the parallel was drawn to like Beach Boys at one point. Oh, um, yeah. And what was really funny is that became that became something that I because I play it for my students a lot. I remember the day after I f- discovered you, I legitimately just played Niagara Moon all day in class. <laughs> Um, and i'm like i got this new musician that i really like you're gonna listen to it now because i'm the teacher and i can do that (laughs) (laughs) um and i a couple of my students are more into older uh musicians so i was like you probably know and i'm like you like it's like kind of like beach boysy sound um like as far as like some of the instrumentals and like the and i they were like uh maybe i know beach boys (laughs) (laughs) and i put on uh god only knows and um that one too when i listen to it i'm like oh man the comparison is really good isn't it they're like oh "Oh, i yeah so but i I have been called the the bedroom beach boys maybe i'll dig it i'll honor that i i don't know i mean if i had to put because i like uh i know you now go by baroque pop right yeah it's 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 definitely it feels like a a catchy you know two-word term that i can put on there but it's very, I mean, it's very relaxing to me. I like the, I like the just, how do I put this? Like the soundscapes that are created. Mm. Um, just the general vibe. Like I like I mentioned with Pantheon Bar, that's definitely my favorite song. But the quality that I could just kind of live in the song or the album for a little while is something that I really appreciate. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's like a, another world. Yeah, exactly. Feeling. So, I mean, I would probably just describe it as more of, uh like a moody music uh a little bit like a little bit more electronic where you can you know just enjoy and experience the different waves of music that are about to hit you so Hmm. Mm -hmm. wow now this is all very very good for my research thank you for (laughs) (laughs) providing me with that perspective i i do love the bit the beach boys i'm gonna have to i haven't listened to pet sounds in a while i gotta dig back in it's that that uh, otherworldliness and the number of kind of different harmonic components and different sounds that come together uh and yeah the soundscape aspects i'm 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 definitely a devout student of the the brian wilson line of thinking it's interesting because whenever i listen to beach boys maybe it's just because of my own conditioning and the name and everything i definitely do think of like beach and surf and that kind of area when i listen to yours i think of forest forest well so, i've been I, I did a lot in the forest this year I, <laughs> I dig it i think of that kind of a more of that kind of a, a mood i mean maybe there's water in the forest i don't know but there's could be, yeah it could be a stream nearby yeah but mm-hmm. it's, awesome i was just gonna say it's funny because i feel like i've been on the i i love your podcast in general like i i definitely oh, thank put you. on like album reviews and i love that format so i've I've definitely had times where I've just kind of responded to the both of you <laughs> about some album <laughs> reviews where I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's interesting to finally be on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, I'll have you come on for a, a, a review itself if you'd like to. I would love it to. It seems like you could definitely talk shop. I would love to. We can do, uh, we could finally get Final Cut talked about. Final Cut. Yeah. Final Cut is on the list. Man. Roger Waters. uh Something, something for Roger. I feel like that's Roger Waters' most like dire musical expression, it's, even more than the Wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it? Because I know I remember, and I I never really dug into it, but I and it makes sense where it's like, oh, these are like cut stuff from the Wall. 
um, final yeah. cut. Is that true? Or? Yeah, well, uh, especially like when the Tigers broke free. I mean, that's like in the wall movie. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe it just didn't fit into that track list and he, he held on to it. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess a lot of it could be stuff that didn't fit that narrative but came out of that same period and then he like recontextualized it for the for for a release that was more personal but Man, so yeah. good like in the gunner's dream the voice like the, that note turning into the brass and then hold on to the dream yeah, yeah all right we'll, we'll save it for okay. the <laughs> for the album review oh man okay all right joe thank you so much for coming on and doing this this was uh an unexpected super pleasure and a, i think a great way to close out the year yeah for sure thank you so much for having me on That was Joe. Very cool guy. Psyched to have him in my orbit. I'm really looking forward to next year. That's about all I can say. Uh, So once again, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been fantastic having you as an audience this whole year. I love it. And uh, obligatory mention of uh, leaving a rating or review, preferably on iTunes, but wherever else they let you do it. If you like the podcast, you just want to show a little love back, a little support, uh, go ahead and write something up for us. All right. Have a wonderful New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. You know, treat yourself. Have some fun if you can. And I'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye.